Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. Headquarters of the future capital of the free thinking states of America known as Los Angeles. This is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, it's interview time again as author and young adventurer Jake Ducey joins us to show us that some young people do indeed have some things to say, including not being afraid to ask questions like, why can't we audit the Federal Reserve? The insanity of wasting perfectly good food that is not supermarket pretty. Slow down, feel your breath, and remember that our vibe is our superpower, everything is energy, and Abraham Lincoln himself lost seven elections. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows Podcast, begins now. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 67 of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Here we are with another fine episode, a summertime episode. And without further ado, the host with the most, Mr. Daniele Bolelli. Quick thank you to the folks keeping us in business. Um, short design t-shirts, onnit.com, and Datsusara. The beauty of this is, and I'm go- I swear I'm going to keep it super quick, so bear with me. But the beauty of this is that these guys are A, cool human beings. B, they make stuff that I actually use every single day, every one of their things. I almost live in short design t-shirts, and uh, there's actually a bunch of stuff even for kids. Even Isabella has a bunch of short design dresses and stuff that Bennett was nice enough to send out. So I love that stuff. I'm wearing it all the time. That Susara, I'm only going around with two different Datsusara bag, uh, Datsusara hoodie. Uh, I'm wearing their hemp gear constantly because I love every single one of their product. And on it, man, just about every other snack I have is on it related. I'm having like the hemp force, chocomaca thing every single day with earth-grown nutrients. And because I is. don't, I decide let's do go for real. Then I add the MCT oil on top of it all. So I'm on a, and never mind when I'm actually feeling the need for a pickup and I go for Alpha Brain, which I'm beginning to enjoy more and more as time goes by. So, I mean, fuck, I feel like we're really lucky. By the way, I mean, fuck, I think is the classic thing you will hear in every sponsor plug, right? I mean, fuck. Fuck. The the beauty of this is this is all stuff we use. This is all stuff we like. This is all stuff that so it doesn't feel like, oh, now there's the sponsor moment. Fuck this shit. No, this is these this are Monsanto people moment. Are, yeah. Brought to you by. Well, that's the coolest part is it's cool people that we like. Yeah. I mean, I, and I do have, this could be, you know, I don't think it's going to be a problem, but I do have a, a Dr. Sarah issue. Well, you know how Chris is always ready that's for customer service. Put it to service. the test. Yeah. My strap has frayed a bit, and it needs some stitches. Talk to the man. I can't wait to see. So I have a full report. We'll see what happens. And that's the other thing. These guys, Chris, reply personally to everybody who write to him when there's any issue with the gear. Yeah. Uh, Terrible on, capitalist, yeah. awesome businessman. On it as the thing where if you don't like some of the products, you just say, eh, didn't like them, and you get your money back. You don't even have to send stuff back, which is insane. I never heard of anybody having this kind of policy. 
and uh, with her design Bennett is always responsive to people so these are good humans they help us please help them that's it what else do we need to say the fine folks at Kiva.org continuing to you know when you think about what what a very narrow portion of you like 1% of you have done is amazing you know we're well over into $26,000 of donations to help other people out and we don't get any of this this is totally donations that you make we're just keeping track of what our team has put together and it is really appreciated and you know those donations are going to come back around and send them back out again folks there's nothing better than you know helping somebody put their life into a little bit better order and uh, it doesn't cost you hardly anything Having said that, I would say, um, shall we just get going? Well, one more thing, real quick. Amazon, those of you guys who shop on Amazon, please, please, please use our link. I deeply appreciate it. I got quite a few of you guys have been getting sex toys. I fully approve of that. That's uh, And so does the orgasm counting gnome. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's blessed by the orgasm counting gnome. So that's beautiful stuff. So, yeah, please remember about the Amazon link. That's very sweet. And without further ado, let's get going to the episode. Okay, guys, another glorious days on a ball spinning through space to be alive. Not bad. Here we go. Let's play and let's have some fun today. Today with us, Jake Dosi joining us today. Jake, very welcome to the Drunken Taoist. Yeah, man. Well, thank you for having me. Jake has a hell of an interesting story, but I'm going to let you guys... Um, or rather what the fuck am I saying I'm like completely delirious still I, I should get more sleep I think sleep is an important part of everybody's life wildly I, overrated no I need more of it I'm gonna let him tell you guys about it that's what I meant to say so Jack tell us a little bit your life is to say the least not the typical ordinary path. We can uh, we can safely assume that some of the stuff you have done in the time you have been around on the balls building through space has not been the kind of thing that <clears throat> everybody, not the normal path that people follow. Please do tell. Um, I know we met before, you ch- we chat. I mean, I read about you, but we chat. You told me. Uh, for everybody else who's not caught up, if you want to give them the quick version of, hey, here is me, this is my life, Please go. Well, I'm 23 and I lived a totally ordinary life as a as a young person does. Go to school. I played sports. I was a top recruit in San Diego for basketball out of high school, all CIF. I thought I'll go to college. I'm gonna get a degree in business because that's what we do. And then I'll get a big house and a gold watch. I'm gonna get a super nice house. I'm gonna get a family. I'll have a really pretty wife, and I'll do exactly what my parents did and my grandparents did. And and I'll just do that. And in case you guys are wondering, I'm staring at his wrist right now. I see no gold watch, so <laughs> something didn't quite pan out. Let's see what happens. Apparently, can't even afford a haircut like that. <laughs> and and. When I got to college, I was studying business. Mm-hmm. 
I started to learn, it was shortly thereafter, the, the 2008 collapse was when I was a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that much about it at the time because I wasn't interested. Well, in, in college, when you're playing basketball six hours a day, you need to find an escape in something. So I thought I'd start, you know, getting a little bit curious in class. So I wanted to know why we couldn't the audit the Federal Reserve. Of course, mm-hmm. the Federal Reserve prints our money and is is a, a very corrupt organization that I believe we need to get rid of. Well, I asked my teacher why we couldn't audit the Federal Reserve in economics class, which seems like a pretty uh, standard question. And I was basically told to shut up. You can't ask questions. So I wanted to know why we can't audit the Federal Reserve. I wanted to know why there's such a huge huge economic discrepancy. I wanted to know why 15 million people, kids in America don't have food, literally don't have food. Like Mm -hmm. we think Africa doesn't have food. There's kids here that don't have food in Los Angeles. And I wanted to, I think that's an important question if you're studying economics class and my teacher would shun me every day. The class actually kind of turned against me because they wanted to get A's so then they could get a big house and a gold watch. And (laughs) (laughs) and so i wanted to know these things just as a curious student and it it showed me pretty quick that school wasn't conducive to my learning Mm -hmm. and i I became really upset i wanted to have answers you know we have to this rock through space is going to reject the human race sooner or later unless we make some changes and so this this actually eventually made me first really cynical ultimately i found some some inspiring books and that that showed me that there was more to myself than just this skin and bones that you know actually everything's comprised of of energy and and actually this may not just be a material world that led me to some meditation and and Ultimately, a couple uh, months later, after three semesters of college, I dropped out of school, took my backpack, and really minimalistly traveled around the world and decided to write a book about it that no one thought was a good idea. It, it ended up doing well and inspiring people. I had to self-publish, but it you know ended up making it to the top on, on Amazon and led me on this cool journey. My new book with Penguin came out and I just kind of travel around to high schools, 30 high schools this spring, and then I'm going, I'm the first motivational speaker on the Vans Warp Tour this summer. Mm-hmm. Oh, and cool. so I just travel around to colleges, high schools, and I think that, of course, there's all these economic and environmental and political things going on, but I think at the core, especially young people, if we realize that like we actually have this potential, we're actually... Your, your intelligence and your potential isn't defined by your GPA and your and your uh, breast size and your waist size and oh, by oh, what your oh, parents oh, did. Oh, oh, oh. Let's not get crazy there. As long as we are on the GPA, I'm down with you. Breast size? No, that doesn't matter. What the fuck? No, sorry. I'm, I lost you there. But Of course, so, even that would be confusing because I, I think Dr. Mark Chang last week would have killed somebody for A cup, so the confusion <laughs> would be rampant at best. So I, that's a, at the core, you know, what it, what everything's prompted about and and mm. and that's kind of what i what i do travel around and and uh and share stories to inspire young people to make a difference oh, that's fucking awesome like one thing that i think we should just get out of the way right away because i think a lot of um you know many many people i imagine you get this all the time many people are immediately gonna pay attention to your age 
first thing off the bat is like who the fuck are you 23 year old who are you to tell me about life and this and the other let alone when you started which were you you were even younger yeah uh so obviously there's this um kind of for lack of a better term what do we, we have racism so i guess we have ageism <laughs> right yeah and that goes both ways but in this case toward you being young with the idea of who are you what do you know and you know this is something that i've actually I thought about it a bit because I remember there's um, Joe, for example, uh, Rogan. He regularly is like, it's an ongoing thing. Like he came up over and over again chatting with him where he's like, I never want somebody on the podcast that's less than 30. What the fuck do you know unless, you know? And he's uh, clearly something that he feels strongly about. And I'm sure he ran into a lot of the masses, which reinforced kind of this impression for him. That's really, I don't know, my personal experience not at all mine is very different from that in regard of age like i find that i realized when i was a little kid often i i was always in hanging out with people who were older than me and then by the time i hit college it was about people my age and by the time i was past college i started and again there's obviously exceptions to everything but if we go more often than not i would get along with people who are younger rather than older and one of the things that I realized for me in my experience was that many people argue that, oh, with age, you learn all these things and you become more mature and you become wiser. Maybe, maybe you just become older. You and know, bitter. Maybe. Exactly. So <laughs> if anything, what I like about, and again, these are generalization because obviously there are amazing human beings at every single age there is. There are amazing people who have it at whatever age we're talking about. But if we're talking about averages, I noticed that people among people who are a little on the younger end, more college age, there's more of a sense of enthusiasm. There's more of a sense of possibility because you haven't just been smacked in the face 50,000 times <laughs> by life telling you, you can't do it. Your dreams will get crushed. So what I see a lot of the time in people who like 30s, 40s, 50s, I see a lot of people who have been beaten by life who just want to pay their rent and pay their mortgage and just let me get through my shit. A lot more cynicism, a lot more the, it can't be done, fuck this. Now, this may be a cynicism that's warranted because life experience has objectively delivered that to them, but it's the same reason why I left Italy and I like living in the United States. I take enthusiasm whether rightful or misguided i take enthusiasm over smart cynicism any day just because one at least there's possibility whereas the other one just make you want to shoot yourself so that's kind of my end of the deal i'm curious because i'm sure you get every single day the age aspect being thrown at you or you definitely have at least so far how have you handled it what's your take on it um, yeah well i i get it all all the time especially mm -hmm. you know when when the last book came out and and the, the title of the book says the purpose principle so right. like i get that all the time and i i think you know that people say that people say that when you're opposed to something just because of your preconceivements then that's ignorance in and of itself. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the beautiful things about being young is I have less, I had less social conditioning mm -hmm. to get over. I think that at the end of the day, 
results are are really a, a way to measure things by mm -hmm. and people say well what do you know about books or what do you know about life and sure. I, I think at the core my message is about really everything is within us we've mm -hmm. been told that everything well the house the watch everything like that is important and I think that my journey and what I found within myself is that actually the happiness that I found the most happiness the most meaning of I found comes from within myself creating things and making a difference and so my 14 days of silent meditation while I was traveling around these are the things that cemented my beliefs I'm not here to convince anyone of anything mm -hmm. I think that that's like the that's a bad place to come from. My goal isn't that I make someone believe anything. Yeah, I'm right. not trying to be a religious leader. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I I just want I just want to share what I have to share. Uh -huh. And if I was making music, no one would. If I was making music and saying the same thing through music, no one would say anything. Just because I'm making a book, I it's my chosen path of art. Right. And so real like honestly i don't really care it makes me laugh like if you need to say that someone doesn't know anything because they're young like 75 percent of americans reported on the american labor force polls that came out in fall 2014 that they're actively disengaged from their jobs they don't 75 percent of americans don't like their jobs right america's uh, depression rate over the last 50 years has increased by a thousand percent that over the last 50 years the annual income in america has steadily increased but the happiness hasn't with went with it so maybe the old people <laughs> actually don't know shit you know like right. i like to go on joe's show and i i wouldn't invite him and challenge him to like you know, I, I think it's important to, to keep our minds open. There's a lot of young people that are confused, but perhaps they're confused because they're following what the old people are doing, mm -hmm. you know? And so I'm just here to like, to be me and do what I feel is my mission and purpose. And By the way, as a complete disclaimer, I, it's entirely possible that I'm misconstruing Joe's position. It came up multiple times, the young thing, but I'm sure there's a reasoning behind him that I'm completely missing right now. So I'm kind well, of like... Well, he didn't smoke any weed until he was 30. So <laughs> that's right. That may I be understand that position, yeah. though. There are a lot of young people, but old people that are confused. And I think we're right. confused because we don't know why we're here. Like, we yep. don't even realize that, as you said, we're on this, like, thing spinning through the middle mm -hmm. of space. And, like, who are we and what are we? And we don't know those things. Like, then, then our priorities, our values, like, everything is messed up. Well, the biggest problem is we don't challenge anything. We just accept it. Well, that's the way we do it, so we'll yeah. just keep doing it. And, you know, that's a, the definition of insanity. And it's working out that way. We're burning the planet to the ground. We are starving. You know, what is it? One in five children goes hungry in, Los in, in America yeah. every day? Did you see? There was a show on CNN last night about the food distribution, and these people wanted to see if they could live off of what was thrown out of grocery stores for six months. They pulled $32,000 worth of food out of dumpsters that was completely fine oh, and left hundreds of thousands left behind. And they would go through the process like, well, this carrot's a little crooked. We can't sell it in the supermarket. They throw 40% of the produce away because it's not supermarket pretty. Jeez. Can you imagine how no, many people would nuts. eat a dented nectarine if they were fucking hungry? <laughs> You know, and then, I mean, what has always driven me crazy, and maybe I'm getting off on my tangent again, but to watch a $300 million yacht parked out in the harbor and no people starve in this city, that's got to be corrected. That's got to be the first thing. People can't be hungry anymore. You can't learn if you're hungry. 
You can't be well-behaved if you're starving. And the fact that we allow it to happen is a crime of an epic scale. Just so 27 assholes can compare who's got the biggest pile of gold? No, Gold Watch, remember. That's what it's all about. <laughs> well, that's what was promised. And, you know, I, I'm like, I'm 20 years ahead of you, and I haven't had a raise in 20 years. The money you can make editing in 1995 is exactly what you have to beg for now. Wow. And health insurance didn't get any cheaper. I <laughs> promise you that. No, Food didn't get any cheaper. So, you know, people are up against I'm sure the depression level is what it is because these people have fought and scrapped for years and they got nothing for it. Yeah. And no, also, sure. I mean, I think the other thing on the depression level, it really goes back to the not knowing what the fuck to do with your life. Because, I mean, when you look at it, even the horrendous uh, economic conditions that some people do go through, as you guys are saying, not just like, oh, I don't have the latest iPod, is the I don't fucking have food, you know, stuff that's bad. But even then, you know, when you compare it to much of the world, still, poverty in the United States is like, you know, cool by comparison in the sense that you are not literally in the sewer digging through stuff. But part of it is that it's not just people who are doing poorly, who are poorly economically, who are depressed and have a heavy issue. As you are saying, you know, average income, like a bunch of people make a lot of money and a lot of these guys are not any happier. So it's not purely about, oh, you know, there's a logical condition because uh, you have a difficult time making a living, then you are depressed. Is You have a ton of time who have no difficulties whatsoever when it comes to making a living or having a big house or having the damn gold watch or whatever that may be. And they are just as depressed. And so there's that element that, and I think also that connected with the age thing, that's interesting right off the bat, because the fact that I think some people will look at you and have a cynical reaction, there's probably an element of envy going on. There's a, fuck you, why would you, why do you have it figured out? Fuck you, if I haven't figured it out, you must have not either. You are 20-some-year-old, screw you. That can't be. You know, there's that initial cynicism of, uh, uh, it was interesting. I was, um, before we met, before we chatted, when we were just exchanging a couple of emails and stuff, and I was um, started looking at your stuff. I was noticing, I mean, I didn't have the cynical reaction, but I had a cynical question mark. Like, what are you about here, you know? Are you... Do you have it, or are you just a guy who's talking a bunch of crap and he's like, there's, you know, let me check out what's going on. And I realized where he was coming from. It was the same me mechanism. I had it to a lesser degree, but I had the same thing. That initial cynical, uh, what do you know? And then I remember, it was funny when I started reading your book and I dug it and I was having a lot of fun with it. I thought you did a great job. It's well written. You make excellent points. I remember when I did, uh, speaking of books, when I did my first book in Italy, uh, it came out when I was 22, so right around there, right, more or less. The, and I remember I had uh, this one guy was, um, my first book was the one that eventually in the U.S. would be On the Warrior's Path. It was kind of an early edition of On the Warrior's Path. And I had this one guy call me. It was a martial art guy who was been at it forever. The guy was like, man, I loved your book so much. And I hate your guts because that's the book that I've been wanting to write my whole life. I'm like in my 60s and you fucking wrote it at 22. But he was awesome because he was honest. You know, he was very cool about it. And then we started chatting and became friends and everything else. 
but I do think that inevitably you're gonna run into that until you know you start being all like now I'm in my 30s yeah now when now I'll be 40 then like everyone will be like hey how'd you learn that yeah you can you say know? the exact same thing and suddenly will carry value you yeah, know because right. it's uh, I think we used that before on the podcast there's one story that always cracked me up this uh, violinist is that even a word violinist yes <laughs> who's <clears throat> top-notch player, one of the top violinists in the world, he carried with him this violin, ancient, perfect, amazing, worth over a million dollars. He's one of the greatest violin players ever. He went into the New York subway and started playing with a hat in front of him. And, you know, people would be like, you know, give him a dollar, maybe, go on, move on, whatever the fuck, right? Treat him like crap, you don't know shit. That same night, he goes to, I forget what, major theater in New York, feel it completely, everybody's paying 200 bucks to listen to the guy. It's the same damn guy. It's the same music. It's the same violin. But in one context, he's, what are you? You know, like fucking straight performing, whatever. In the other one, oh, he's the top violinist. Now now you have legitimacy. Now we listen to you because you, you are the real deal. It's the same damn music, you know. And I think that you're going to probably be saying the same thing. And 10 years from now, people will go like, oh, my God, he's a genius. Some of the same people that today would give you shit. Luckily, that's not all the people that are out there. And you are having an audience and you are having considerable success with it. So good to know that not everybody's like that. Yeah. You know, I think like that if you're putting anything out in the world, I think one thing I've learned through this um, is that if you're putting it out and you want approval by it, like mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're going to drive yourself insane. And like at the end of the day, if that is what you're after, it will, you'll never feel successful about uh-huh. it. And so I just try not to, my goal is to, is to be in the process of something, not the outcome of how somebody will receive it. Right. You know, I'm doing this because it makes me feel free. I, I'm seeing that it is in inspiring people. I think we're in a definitely economic crisis, environmental mm-hmm. crisis, but we're in a crisis of gen of genuine inspiration and mm-hmm. genuine happiness. And so I just try and think about those things and I try and forget old people and focus on the young ones just kidding uh but <laughs> but they're the ones that need the help right now i mean there, there's no end to college-age kids right now they have no idea what they want to be they look around they don't want to be what any of these things they see you know it's just not working for and they them. choose it by default yes and they choose it by default so I, i'm really pumped about everything starting to click and getting in terms of getting into high schools so i'll be mm-hmm. in front of of a lot of kids this year and, and have been and and that's where I think my sweet spot is like half the world's population is 30 years or under, mm-hmm. you know, the Dalai Lama was, was, or no, Krishnamurti was asked, what should we do with the world? The world's burning. There's all mm-hmm. this economic problems and, and, and the young people aren't ready. And, and Krishnamurti said back, give the, give the world to young people. You fucked it up enough already. Give it to somebody else. Get out of the way. And so like, it doesn't matter what. 40 year olds and 50 year olds say or what a 10 year old says i think at the end of the day like we just need to there needs to be more of i'm gonna do this because i feel it within me not because i'm rationalizing it and other people say it yeah and i think that's a theme that keep popping up through your work is the in the eyes of society having legitimacy to say what you say 
well, I have legitimacy to say what I say because I'm saying it. <laughs> and uh, if you like it and you can use it and it helps you, great. And if it doesn't leave it, all this talk about I need the piece of paper or the whatever the fuck to ensure that I legitimately can speak for myself is ridiculous. That's why uh, one of my favorite Zen starters, the, um, my all-time idol, Lee Kyu Sojun from the 1400s, when he received from his uh, master the quote-unquote certificate of enlightenment, which was the thing that you need in order <laughs> to be considered a Zen teacher, Ikkyu looked at it and was like, certificate of enlightenment, really? <laughs> and burned it. And that's I was like, funny. fuck you, you know, let's, let's be real here. Because that's what it is, right? That's what, and I like what you're saying in terms of... Um, not getting caught up in how people respond because anybody who has been uh, on youtube or amazon or whatever you know that doesn't matter what you do there are always gonna be people who say you're the worst human in the world <laughs> yeah. you suck you need to die now you know <laughs> and it's inevitable it's like you can't please everybody there are people who are pissed off and want to vent and whatever so it's and many many people <clears throat> me included sometimes fall into the trap of uh you know, you can get all the good feedback in feedback in the world, and the one person who give you shit, f shitty feedback—that's what you focus on, yeah. right? And it's so silly. It's like because you're saying, you know, you're doing it primarily because you want to, because it makes you feel good to do this thing, not because yeah, you need your parents to pat you on the back and say you did a great job. Then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. But, but why do you think it's so hard to get out of that mental trap? Why do so many people who know better still, by default, go back to that need for approval and wanting everybody to say, oh, my God, you're so good. I can't believe that, you know, why do we crave it so much? I think that we crave it so much because we're from the time that we're born, if mm -hmm. we turn on the television and then we look who's on the radio and we look who's in the movies, we're taught that we're, we're naturally not good. We're not told, when you're a kid, you're not told you're an infinite genius and you're made of pure consciousness, consciousness at its very core in each, in each infinitesimal atom has a, enough storage of information in it to blow a million computers to pieces and you have enough light within you to power city like we're not told this we're told like you know i think you have add and i think you have this we're told our entire lives that we're not good enough and so if you're told that your entire life by default your programming is going to is going to seek approval mm -hmm. and i i think that that it comes from the core of that like we mm -hmm. reckon we think it's our job to be liked opposed to liking ourselves and so i think it comes from i think we have an insane society and so in an insane society we don't recognize that that what's actually most important to our well-being i think in a in a life well lived is is firstly the way we think about ourselves mm -hmm. so i think it comes from we have a society that's programming us to be in a state of you can't be controlled if you're in a state of fear there's the word so mm. i think that everything would change if we recognized yeah the economic situation the environmental situation blah 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 blah. it all needs to be changed but if people recognized how powerful they were and they were taught these things to not be in a state of fear in a state of lack in a state of scarcity mm -hmm. and and we were told that our capability our potential 
everything would just change. Like we wouldn't be able to be controlled. And so I think it really comes back to that is like we live in this state of fear and we think that education, something that changed my life talking about the certificates, education comes from the Latin root word educo, which means to draw from within, to take what's within you, Mm -hmm. that the real education is to find what's within you and take that and create what it is you want to put your, your heart, your mind to. And we're actually taught that education is if you memorize these things, everything is based on the exterior Mm -hmm. rather than the interior. And if everything is based on the exterior, this is finite, you know? And so we're going to, as he was saying, like we're going to feel fear and need approval and we all want it. I want it. Everyone does. Uh, and I, but I think it's, it's, it's about not giving as much attention to the thoughts in our head. Yeah, because, I mean, it's the difference between uh, enjoying something because it feels good and becoming an addict for something where you're desperately need off or otherwise your whole world collapses. There's a big difference. Of course, everybody likes approval. Who doesn't? But becoming so addicted that if you don't get it, suddenly your whole self-esteem collapses. Well, there's a problem there. There's definitely issues. One of the things that you bring up um, very early on in your work and it keeps showing up over and over again because it's such a key point for anybody who's alive is figuring out what you want. You know, what the hell are you going to do with your life? What's the... And uh, you suggest some strategies for people who don't have a clue, who don't have an idea, who may be a little lost about stuff like that for how to go. What would you say would be kind of step one to turn... Um, as you put it in your subtitle, how to draw more meaning into your life, how to live a life that by the time you're done with it, you don't have 7 million regrets about, oh, I wish instead I spent time with this and this and the other, but you live a life that you can, it's an intense life, a life that you can be happy with, that you can be proud of with, that you leave no regrets. What's yeah. step one? Well, <laughs> there's this woman I write about, her name is Bonnie Ware, she's a nurse, you know, that she... She worked with people just before they die. Mm-hmm. She was one of those nurses. And so she worked with like 50,000 patients just before death over 20 years. And she took surveys on what their top regrets were. And the first two regrets were, I wish I would have li- lived a life that was true to me. And I wish I would have been happier. I wish I'm I sure working less was right there at number three. That number was four. number three. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that the first thing that I found for myself as a, you know, as someone who spent most of my whole life confused and thinking who I was based off how many points I score and which colleges were interested in my me playing basketball was like, I think that happiness can come a lot of times from living life on our own terms. Mm-hmm. And we're usually, we don't even know that we're not living on our own terms and that we're not doing things that we don't want to do because we're told this is what you're supposed to do. I think the f- one thing that can really uh, that is important that I think human beings do is that they try shit out. Mm-hmm. We're never we never want to try shit out because well, what if I fail or what if this is different or this is what I'm supposed to do? And I think just trying shit out is a super important place Absolutely. to start from. It's where yeah. this podcast came from. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's play, right? You need to have a sense of play and enjoyment and experimentation to figure out what works and what that. If you take everything so damn seriously, 
all the fun got sucked out of it. It really feels like the fix is in and we're in a hopeless sort of bind right now, though, because everything you're talking about is exactly what's not taught at school. You're taught to conform. You're taught to, is this on the test? You know, and then society, when you look at every night of the week, there's there's 15 or 20 murders on primetime television. And then that's like every night. Yeah. If you're that, there's some sort of competition that you're not good enough. You'd never be able to make this. And we got to change the whole programming from top to bottom. And I guess the young people are the place to start at. But I think it's really in a desperate way. These people are scared to death of their own shadows, and none of them are going to do anything that's going to jeopardize, oh, I've, if I don't have my Medicaid, I'm fucked. You know? But I've even heard teenagers that it's like, I'm fucked. It's like, you're 17, man. You can't possibly be fucked yet. Right. You haven't even been here long enough to be properly <laughs> fucked. So... What is the answer, man? Come on, you got the book. I'm ready. <laughs> I don't know the I don't know the answers. I think the answers. Well, you are, got the right questions cooking, and that's important. Yeah, and I don't think we're ever going to have all the answers. I think the answers are that we have to we have to start recognizing, like literally, that we may go. It, the planet's going to be fine. Yeah, but the planet doesn't need a single yeah, shit. But the people on it, we're extincting ourselves, not the Earth. The Earth is, yeah, dealing with a lot of crap that we're doing to it, but we're going to extinct ourselves. And I think at the end of the day, like, we have to realize, like, that we're going to be gone so soon. And we're spending our life that, that may actually, our life may actually mean nothing. At the end, it doesn't matter what you have. You can't bring your savings, your girlfriend, all the shit with you. And I think the first thing that is really important is to recognize that. There are things that we can do in our immediate community that will make us feel the happiness that we've always wished that we felt. Mm-hmm. There, like you know, you talk about there's all these deaths and there's all these things like this and that. And, and I have a nine-year-old friend named Gabe, and Gabe's nine years old. And Gabe's over the last two years has raised over ten thousand books and almost a hundred thousand dollars that's gone to food for kids in Los Angeles and Orange County. Mm-hmm. Like I think that it's important to recognize that perhaps the purpose of life is to find our gift and share it with the world, like Picasso said. And and looking for ways that we can make a difference. I think that we're so caught up in me and my problems and trying to fix them but we're never going to fix them if we're Mm -hmm. thinking like einstein said in the same consciousness that created him that consciousness is me and mine and i think that it's important to start thinking about those around us Mm -hmm. and so i think we can find a lot of the answers to the questions we're looking for by seeing the ways that we can really make make a difference and and step into more of, of who we are and what we came to do if we think that we're here like on this rock randomly in the middle of space and what we're here to do is amass the best title we can get and have the most money then we're sorely confused then there's no point in being here what is the point and i think we can start changing a lot of things by by keeping keeping an open keeping an open mind to things perhaps everything that we've been doing is totally wrong and being open to to the amazing beautiful things in the world and within ourselves you know the other night i had an interesting uh, i wouldn't call it an epiphany because it's not like i understood something i didn't know before but it kind of sunk in deeper going along the lines of what you're saying it's kind of late at night i put my daughter to bed i was i 
just looked on YouTube for uh, I couldn't find my Hendrix music it was very disturbing to me so I looked for it on YouTube to where were these songs and I started listening to the songs were 1983 and what's the other title there's a uh, there's a great Hendrix song that, the one of, oh moon turned the tides gently gently away beautiful I mean Hendrix at his best right just pure genius and I started listening and I was doing nothing I wasn't trying to oh I need to send more emails I need to do this I need to do that I was just like Hendrix do your thing I'm just gonna sit here and enjoy it and I realized in that moment I realized you know what I'm fucking happy right now I'm just happy bottle it yeah and I was like because so much of the time even when those moments come and they do come there's always the, oh, yeah, but it's not going to last. Yeah, yeah, that's nice, but uh, what can I do to save it? What can I do to, or what, um, uh, yeah, this is nice, but I'm not really going to be happy until I make that much money or until I achieve this thing or until I my book does this and that. And I'm like, shut up already. You know, it's like right now you can be happy and then worry about the next moment and then worry about the next moment all this constant postponing happiness to not until fill in the blanks whatever conditions will be fulfilled is just such an illusion and such bullshit that we are robbing ourselves of happiness by not being in the moment but not enjoying it when it's there and constantly be grasping for either regretting the past or the memory of the world it was great in the past kind of thing or worrying about the future and it's like yeah all of that is true but what about right now, man? You know, and that sometimes is an excellent antidote to getting too caught up in all the other stuff. And I mean, it's almost rhetorical, like you always, anybody who's not an idiot will tell you being in the moment is a key thing to life. But it's so different when it shifts from just rational understanding to when, when actually you give yourself permission to feel it. It feels so damn good. And you're like, yeah okay i don't have control over a million things in life but man i have this moment and it's um and it's a great feeling and it's something that i think you play with because over and over in your writing and you just brought it up a minute ago the idea of mortality that you do bring up quite a bit this sense that the kind of thing that would give most human beings the greatest existential anxiety the greatest fear the fear of death the fear that things don't last you turn it into something. I think one of the questions that pop up in your book is how to reduce stress. And the first thing you bring up is mortality, which yeah. is the thing that normally heightens stress, yeah. right? So how do you approach this where the very thought that you don't control things, the very thought that things are going to end and nothing lasts, how does that for you turn into something? How do you spin it into something positive? rather than something paralyzing yeah. and anxiety driven yeah well like you know it's like mo most of us are gambling on the biggest risk of all that's the bet that one day then we're gonna have the yeah. freedom to do what we want after we make enough money after we get enough approval and i think the fact that like literally we're like literally we're all gonna die the fact that that's going to happen that should i think should give us every reason not to live small that should mm -hmm. give us every reason not to just dwindle our time away doing everything that we don't want to do and that's not to say that we need to 
quit our job and travel around the world. Like I ultimately realized the joke was on me that I was traveling around the world looking for something only to find that like I was actually just being an idiot traveling around when like I was going to find the happiness and, and meaning in myself by coming back and writing and, and hopefully, you know, pro- providing inspiration. It's like if you knew you were going to die tomorrow, next week, in 60 years, in 80 years, if you knew you were going to die and you weren't going to be able to do this anymore, then why wouldn't you do the things that you wanted to do? Or why wouldn't you just be someone who is of of more value? I think the way I I look at it is just like that. It's like you are going to be dead whenever. Mm -hmm. What would be worthwhile to do in the meantime Mm -hmm. and if it is going to the job you're doing doing this doing that that's awesome that's great and i think it's just important for us to 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 recognize that when we're faced as you said with that mortality it's like what do you want to to find out about yourself or about the world or what do you want to discover what do you want to explore um I guess the way I face it isn't anything. There's no step process. It's like, shit. Like, I didn't know my whole life that I was going to. I thought, like, cool, I'll live till I'm 75. Like, that's just the way it works. Like, that, but that's not the way it works. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I just recognize that, like, people die all the time. Like, Mm -hmm. one of my friends just died at, at, Coachella got hit by a train at three in the morning, like 24 year old kid. Jesus. That happens all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I just like every time I hear about death, it makes me think like how bad would it suck to think that when I'm 65 and I collect like my, my retirement then I can do what I want, but I like die that's at 57. going to be around when you're... Yeah. <laughs> but you die at 57 before you yeah, get there. Of course. Like, that would suck. So mm-hmm. I just I just try and recognize, like, or, like, I'll be happy then. It's like, well, why don't, like, we fucking stop for a second, and instead of when the cashier at the grocery store is like, hey, how's it going? And we say, good, and we don't say anything back to them, we pay and we walk away. Like, why don't we stop and, like add value and stop Mm -hmm. and look them in the eyes and be like hey i'm having a good day how are you doing right that like changes people's lives a lot and so like um i just try and recognize that like it's like it makes you feel better when you Mm -hmm. when you're when you're a more positive person it sucks to 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 do anything other than that, and doesn't mean we're we're always positive. I just try and remember that shit. I guess no, and that makes perfect sense. I guess one thing that interests me is because you said just a few minutes ago about how you know maybe there is no meaning in life. Maybe there is no greater anything. Maybe there is great. Maybe there isn't. We don't know. That idea that maybe there isn't anything to it. Maybe there's no meaning. Again, is one of the things that normally would induce monstrous desperation in most people. Because everybody want to, they want to have their life needs to have meaning, which means that life in general there has to be a point, there has to be a logic, there has to be a process, there has to be. If there isn't, you would feel like just this cosmic joke that's not funny, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's just fucked up. And you know, you acknowledge that, which is something that a lot of people don't like to acknowledge that possibility because it's too disturbing mentally. And yet that clearly is not robbing you of your ability to enjoy life. 
maybe I'm dancing around the same thing and I'm kind of getting you to say some of the same stuff, which is totally fine. But I'm curious in how does that work? How I, do you manage to deal with something that's so heavy and still feel like, well, fuck it. I'm going to enjoy life regardless. Well, it's like, why wouldn't you say that? I think that it's what is meaning and purpose at the end of the day. It's wor- it's like words and a concept in the human mind that we've created to make us feel more secure. Mm-hmm. That's all it really is. It's a concept in our heads that we've said, like, the meaning is this. The meaning is that. So then we can coax with this crazy world and this crazy mm-hmm. existence that we don't understand it's the same thing as as getting a uh the biggest watch and the biggest house and and the rolls royce and whatever it is that have the hottest girlfriend so then people will think you're cooler it's the same thing we're cons- we're we're trying to find security into life and i think it's like it's like literally you can do two things like you can live your entire life in fear mm-hmm. and and you can worry about this and worry about that and and be overwhelmed by mm-hmm. the by the cosmic joke or you can just say fuck it and you can be you don't need to quit your job you don't need to do this it's like you can go out and and the world needs more people who will connect and who will care about one another. And we're so void of that. I speak at a lot of corporations and like the, the U S is estimated at losing $550 billion from productivity loss every year due to lack of employee engagement because Mm -hmm. people aren't empowered and don't feel a sense of connection. And so they pay speakers $50,000 to give a keynote speech and people say, motivational speaker this that well maybe we're missing the whole point that we'll find all the answers to our productivity loss if we just connect at the core that's what a human being like innately needs to connect and Mm -hmm. and and have an interaction instead of having our head down maybe that will create the endorphins so that we're more inspired and in the moment and more productive and 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 so kind of rambling but i think at at the core um why would we why would we rationalize everything like the mind is is just this program that runs in our head through our subconscious mind through what we heard in our past and what's programmed within us like why wouldn't we just live consciously and mm-hmm. do what feels good feels good not what thinks good uh-huh. i think this i think that we think our feelings i think i feel this i think i feel i want to do that well how do you actually feel i think you're definitely on to something because without question our society is is fractured us into being as lonely as we can possibly make it. You know, the family separate as soon as sure. somebody goes off to school, and by the end of it, you're a, a lonely old person dying alone in their old house. There's no sense of community anymore, and that's what's missing. And you'll see, you know, survey after survey, they'll go to some little village in Africa, and they don't have a pot to piss in, but it's everybody's pot, and they're having a wonderful time, and their happiness level is off the charts. While these Americans with all their shit and their games and their, you know, preoccupations, we're not happy at all, man. We're just waiting for the next thing or just waiting to die. Yeah, waiting and, to and, die. And just putting as many little obstacles and bullshit and, and, you know, these companies are all too happy to line that up for you, keep you nice and busy because as soon as you're dead, we don't have to pay anymore. That's the best part about you dying. 
it's a problem that has to be confronted. Yeah, it's like if you step outside in America and the first thing that's going to happen when you ask someone how they're doing is they're going to say busy, so busy, crazy busy. And we think that if they'll ask you at all, if they'll ask at all. But we think that if we're more busy, then we're more productive. But yep. perhaps our bi- what exactly is getting done? Are we making anything beautiful? <laughs> Are we making a difference? Right. Well, and we think, well, my life can't possibly be void of meaning. It can't be this empty if I'm so busy. And so I think that at the core, like, <laughs> you're laughing over here, yeah. but it's so true. No, it is. It completely is. We it's... think the busyness is the purpose of life. Yep. Where did that come from? No, and I think you're up. what's funny about some of the stuff you say is that it's so dead on. And when you stop to think about it, it should be so obvious, right? I mean, it's like, of course, except it's the of course that 99% of human beings are not really going to if they even realize it consciously, it's definitely going to sink in any deeper. And so it's like, yeah, it makes perfect sense. And it is a silly game of just the rat keep running in the damn cage and it just doesn't make sense. But uh, but yeah, you're exactly right because that dynamic of I'm busy as a way to sort of justify your... Uh, so it means I'm doing the right thing. is like, maybe you're just wasting time. Maybe yeah. you're just taking a lot of good time that could be used for better stuff and wasting it in stuff that... Don't but if I don't get my credit card payment in time, I don't get my 3% back. Right, right, What right. are you talking about? Exactly. Now i got to get to go into my other job to support. I don't know, man. That's why even like before when we started, I needed like 12 seconds to stop because I've been running around too quick. You know, and so before we started the podcast, I didn't want to immediately go, okay, hey, Jake, that's cool to see you. Okay, go. You know, I'm like, give me 10 seconds just to get here you know just to actually arrive where i'm at so that i can be in this damn podcast for real and not just kind of running like i'm like this is a duty this is not a fucking duty this is pleasure this is fun this is a good time let me get to the place where i acknowledge that and let me switch gear so i literally needed these poor guys i was like okay guys yeah ready to start recording but give me 10 seconds in which i close my eyes and then we got rolling and i think is i need to do that so much more these are like little baby steps for me and I need so many of them throughout the day and it really it feels so little right because it doesn't feel like it's a big difference but taking those little moments where you stop the crazy flow of go 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 you take a deep breath you slow down you figure out what I'm doing what I want to do is it what needs to be done uh, can I do it more consciously rather than just being as a machine who's just plugging along and doing its thing? Can I? There's something really healing about just stopping for a second and just breathing and, you know, getting your feet on the ground. If it seems so simple and yet it's, well, start doing it, then let's see how simple it is in the sense of let's see what difference it makes. Well, it gives time for the, the creeping specter of death to creep in and freak you out. So <laughs> or be careful the, that. Or the other <laughs> one. Because <laughs> that's, um, that's the thing, that I guess. One thing that you said that I was curious about when you said about you know helping other people and putting energy into that, somebody would uh, look at, the, oh, if there's no meaning, why the fuck should I help anybody? Because it the... just makes you feel good. <laughs> it's not about the meaning. It's about what makes you feel good and what doesn't. But we don't know how we feel because we're 
thinking our feelings. Right. We're, we have a story in our head that says this is what life is. Mm -hmm. And that story overrides our feelings. So uh -huh. we don't even know if what we're doing actually feels good because we've rationalized it in our head opposed to how it feels in our spirit, in our energy. And so the, the reason you do, you, 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 find an hour to write or do music or whatever exercise whatever it is you like to do or you find a weekend to to go give back is because it feels good not because mm -hmm. it's this is my purpose it's because it feels yeah. good yeah. and most of us don't feel good so like we said 75 percent of americans are actively disengaged from their jobs mm -hmm. the depression rate has increased by a thousand percent there's more teen suicides than ever we're at the highest rate of prescription for psychotropic drugs ever that's because people don't feel good yeah. we did things that felt good and the only way we can find things that feel good is by trying shit out mm -hmm. then we say that works that doesn't work i like this that doesn't like i and, don't like that and that's why on the productivity thing you were saying it this is not antithetically to be in a productive society. In many ways, that can actually be make you more productive possibly, or at least break even, but you are considerably happier. I mean, the fact that we work so that much, what about if you were to give people two extra weeks off or the day what? off on, you know, and then you have people who actually feel, if you feel human again, now you actually have some energy to put into what you want to do. What if we took $4 trillion instead of hefting uh, uh, uranium-enriched bombs on top of each other, <laughs> we uh, built bridges and built sewers and fixed the national parks and created incredible places for people to go on those extra two weeks off. Yeah, this is craziness you speak of. <laughs> yeah, you damn communists. <laughs> That'll never work, so just forget it. We can't have any happiness around here. Work harder, work faster, shut the fuck up and be here on time tomorrow. I mean, that's what the programming is. Anytime I call Rich to say, oh, so are we recording tomorrow? That's basically my speech to him. He's like, shut the fuck up, get here tomorrow. What do you want? She's like, come on, plug in the mics, let's go. Is, uh, and I weep him sometimes, which is also always fun. Are you aware of the, the whole TPP thing going on, the Trans-Pacific Partnership fiasco, where they're trying to fast-track this thing through Congress right now? And essentially, it's a thousand new rules that even include if another corporation from another country's bottom line is being affected by, say, oh, you, you're making it very difficult for me to make money in America because I can't dump shit into your rivers. They can sue. Or it's very difficult for me to make money over here because you pay the American workers too much. They can sue. Jeez. And this thing is just being slid right through. I mean, it is low down because I'm sure you know the Federal Reserve story now. Yeah. That the middle of the night on like, even the name of the island they met on was crazy. Shekel like, Island. That's what it was. <laughs> like, it's like perfectly named for yeah. what was going down. That fix is happening again right now. And the funniest part is we're not even allowed to read the treaty for four years after it's passed. Well, here is what interests me. There always been and there always be somebody who's going to fuck you over. Sure. There always be, you know, structural situation that could be a lot better, which doesn't mean that you shouldn't work on improving them because, of course, you should. At the same time, you know, tomorrow... None of us in this room are going to have power to change the Federal Reserve, change the economic system of how the universe works. All of this shit is out of our control. And while it's good to know about it and it's good to keep mindful of all of this, at the end of the day, 
a lot of these feels uh, overwhelming because there's nothing that tomorrow you can go out and make it happen to transform these conditions in dramatic fashion. At most, you can take baby steps that if you put a monstrous amount of energy and thousands and thousands of other people do the same thing, you may be able to change 3% after 20 years of working on it. That's not clearly the most empowering feeling ever. What instead is something that we have power on? What is that you can actually do to transform conditions of life around you, increase, uh, ultimately, as you put it, live a happier life? My guess is that it's something a lot closer to home. Um, where do you take it from there? Where do you see the steps that anybody, regardless of where you're at, what power or not power you have over life events on the outside, what do you have power on regarding your immediate surroundings? I think that's the only thing you do have power over. What's your most immediate surrounding? It's your arm, it's your leg, it's mm -hmm. your head. That you know, like the reason that I am going into so many schools and talking to them about ourselves, them, and about and about me and about us is because at the end of the day, like you said, that's the only thing we you the only thing you have control over is mm -hmm. is more or less what you're doing on a day to day basis and by and large how you how you feel. You know, you don't control everything, you control the way you should respond to shit. I I I think the reason that I write books like I do is because at the core I think the world would change I think the economic system, the environment, everything would be, th all these problems would be thrown away if at the core we understood ourselves more. Mm -hmm. And we and we did these, these things more, these things that make us feel better, these senses of connection. At the core, that's the only thing that we control. You know, I remember when I was, uh, I forget, I was really young, I was probably 14, 15, something like that. I was reading Timothy Leary. And oddly enough, I was reading Timothy Leary and that was less, I mean, sure, the psychedelic part was interesting and all, but one of the things that I got from reading Leary that I found it profoundly meaningful for my life had nothing to do with LSD and nothing to do with psychedelics, had everything to do exactly with this idea of changing your surroundings. Leary went into this whole spiel about uh, once you do have a vision of how you want to live, once you do have a glimpse of what is that make you happy, then manifest it in what you do have power on, which is your body, your clothes, your house, your... Which doesn't mean that you need to have the money to buy these crazy clothes or have these amazing houses. What is that you can put on your wall, uh, whether it's something that you have or whether it's a damn thing that you write or whether it is... How does the room you live in reflect the person you want to be? With regard, it doesn't matter what money you have. It can be the ultimate shock. What can you do about that one place to make it more your own, to make it more reflect uh, your vision of life? How do your inter if you even that's too much? How about your interactions with other people? As you were saying, how you talk to the cashier at the supermarket, or you talk to how how can you change your interactions with other human beings in a way that reflects that vision that you have? How do you change the way you move? How do you change the way, you know, things that are so obviously within the control of anybody who's uh, alive that, again, the specifics may not be, because maybe you do have limitations that are physical, or maybe you have limitations that are economic, maybe you have limitations, that you can have all of this, but you can change something mm -hmm. about all those aspects. 
And that to me was the most empowering thought ever because it's, it's not about I need to go out and change the world by starting the next civil rights movement. I mean, that's nice. It's a separate thing. There's nothing... I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm saying that's a separate thing compared to the one thing that every single person can do, which is to start working on their immediate surrounding, the thing that they can touch and feel the sec from the second they wake up to the moment they go to sleep. That to me, I was like, oh, it's so fucking obvious. And yet it's so not the thing you're taught in school, not the thing that anybody really share with you because they are not doing it because nobody taught them that that's the primary thing you can do to improve the quality of your life because when i was thinking about it, you know a guy like buddha or you know did he have uh, he was a fucking indian dude with a bagging ball going around <laughs> he didn't have anything you know and that did not really there was the line of kings at the door wanting to find out from him how to be happy you know so it's so often it's a double-ended deal because if we discount the importance of the practical things we're being silly because obviously there are very important practical conditions around them but at the same time if we discount the fact that when you have absolutely nothing there's still some agency that you have on yourself on your tone of voice on how you want to feel how you treat other people how all of that we're also missing the point from the other end. So as usual, it's that delicate balance between the two where you need both. But I do see that um, maybe not in a Timothy Leary-inspired way, but you went through the exact same thing in the book. You bring up this idea about changing your surroundings in the immediate, in your room, in your... You kind of go through a whole list of ideas about what people can do in that regard. And I was like, oh, look at that. Same <laughs> and, you know, I I love that because it brings it back to a place where people do feel that they have a degree of empowerment. And um, how did you, what were some of the major changes you made first when you started feeling more like you were into your own skin, like you were living the life you wanted? I think the interactions, you know, you talked about the interactions with other people, but what about the interactions with ourselves? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I think is a, I think is a super important thing. You know, all of these things from from what we put into our body, it's like that shit is actually important. From what we put into our body to yep. the, to most of you know we have what like 60 70 thousand thoughts and we don't control them all but we do control some of them mm -hmm. you know we do have conscious thoughts as well uh, all those things like our vibe is our superpower ultimately like buddha all these people what were they they just they had heightened their vibe to such a degree that the energy everything is energy that the energy of who they were just naturally caused kings to like be like holy shit like i'm doing everything like wrong and they were <laughs> they were captivated by somebody's vibe all buddha and these people did is they reached a state of such a heightened level of consciousness that their vibe was able to affect people all around the world just their presence yep and so i think like at the core things that are important for me are like med meditation i found is super important and and the reason that i found it's important is because it's a way for me to slow down and feel my breath again mm -hmm. it's a way for me to feel energy again opposed to thinking about everything that's going on <laughs> in my head because of yep. course that's a natural thing so meditation is a super important thing for me like 
at the end of the day, like people like sometimes when I go on like an entrepreneur podcast, they're like, so what are you doing? Right. Like, you know, taking your dreams to the next level and they expect the answer like, well, I'm, I'm doing this, 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 like all these work things. But yeah. I'm like, OK, the, mostly like what we need is is patience if like we're going after something so like well what do i do like i like to meditate it makes me feel good i like to exercise every day that makes me feel good these improve me as a person they make me tougher mentally they get my vibe better like you know joe of rogan I, i like when he talks about like if you beat your ass in a gym then you just don't have the energy to be a dick to someone later. Like you just don't have the energy to like complain to yourself about when you're like waiting in line. It makes everything easier. It's right. Food is another one. These are the things that we have immediate control over within ourselves is like going on a walk instead of sitting for nine hours in the chair, Mm -hmm. because then you get up and your back hurts. So then you're a dick to your wife, you know, like those are the things that we have the immediate control over. So, uh, I, I try and I try and do things like that. The music you put into your head is important. You know, the images you're putting in in terms mm-hmm. of television or YouTube, all of those things create our vibe. All of those things create who you are as an individual. So uh, I, I try and do those things like this will sound weird, but like something that I do is I before I go places like, <clears throat> of course, I like to stop and like take a breath. But something I do is I'll I literally I, when I do it when I wake up as well. I literally lie in my bed. My girlfriend and I, when we wake up in the morning, we just go like, we just smile. People can't see me. We just go and we just smile. Your brain has no idea whether you're fake smiling or not. And at the end of the day, that's what puts you in a good vibe. So like we train our muscles and, and, and we run faster. So then we bec- we run in the sand. So then we become faster. Why wouldn't you smile? So then you become happier. Like that make, if you told a seven year old that the way to be happier was a smile by the time they were 13, they would, they would smile the entire day. And but we're never told that. Right. So like that's something I do. Like literally you could change nothing in your life and you could just like while I'm in traffic, like I was so over driving today on the way here because I had to take all these back roads and like my, my mind wanted to stress out. I just literally drove like this. And it made me feel better. It makes you think better thoughts. If you're smiling, you're not going to say, God, I'm such a fucking dumbass. I wish I would have you're just naturally gonna be like wow like i feel good like this is pretty cool right now like i how am i in a car like getting to where i want to get like you just naturally feel better by smiling and that's something that i do that like it sounds stupid but like why wouldn't you do if you want to get stronger you work out if you want to get happier why don't you just go like this you know fake it till you make it right because you will eventually deliver the results yeah and and uh... i think instantly that happens like if when i go and i talk to schools and like i'll go like uh i'll go like uh all right, I want everyone to turn to the person next to them and smile. And everyone does it, and it's something that you create yourself. We think that we need to wait for a person, a situation, good news in order to make us smile. That's reacting to the world. If you recognize that you have the power ultimately to smile, to feel good, to do the things you want, then you're no longer a reactor, you're a creator. And Mm -hmm. so that's something that I do with the kids and they recognize like, holy shit, like you can do that, you know, like 
it can make you feel better at times. And I think that's a super important thing that I like to do that sounds stupid, but it works. It's not stupid, though. It's completely true. I mean, a smile, especially in a place, one of my favorite games is called Count the Smiles. It's great to play at DMVs, (laughs) airports, places where there aren't many smiles. And when you unleash a smile in there, I, I remember we had some sort of situation where something had to be done in a couple of days and we had to go to the DMV and we had to wait in line. And then when you go up to that person and you hit them with a smile and a positive attitude or you did something wrong and you're like, well, God damn, why didn't you? <laughs> it's like, oh, you're right. I'm sorry. I didn't know that. They're almost in shock. <laughs> they are almost in shock yep. that somebody is giving them, you know, at least some common decency, which is something we sorely lack in this environment these days. We so put ourselves up on these pedestals that everyone better serves me is, you know, we're in a big danger right now. And you are completely correct about the smile thing. I think it works a good 80% of the time. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, again, it goes back to why not be happy right now? No, because this is like, no, there really is no good reason <laughs> yeah. to try to find a way. And again, if you are mad, if something is making you angry, if you do feel that all this stuff is bugging you, you can use that as uh, like my one thing that I do a lot for me is kind of the sense of defiance is, you know, when shit hits the fan and stuff is horrible and the universe is trying to crush you. Not that the universe is really good <laughs> fuck, but you know what I mean? It's like to have that sense of, uh, you know what? I'm still here. Fuck you. I'm going to find a way to be happy right now in spite of all of this. You yeah, know? the universe and is going to win anyway, so you might as well enjoy your moments that you're... Yeah. And that, leave some positive... I call them sparks. I don't know what else to call them, but I think the interactions that we have in a day either leave a positive spin or a negative spin that lasts forever. That mm-hmm. in, that interaction is something that's permanent. And on you know you are on the cosmic record as having done that. <laughs> so you can either leave a good spin or a bad spin. And I think... Right now, people are so grumpy and tired and pissed and scared that we leave a lot of negative. So when you do shock somebody with a smile or, oh, there's somebody putting $1.61 into their gas tank, hey, man, here's five bucks, you know, things like that, if they're not afraid that you're trying to pull one over on them, (laughs) can change the world. Yeah, no, the other day I was walking, I live in Hollywood, and it was like 11. I went to the gym really late, and I was walking home. And so I turned down a dark street and there was a was a good uh, start. Yes. <laughs> so I see a homeless encampment. In my head I'm like I see this homeless guy. I'm like this guy can do nothing except for take to me. He's either going to ask me for money or he's just going to take my time. So I'm walking with my head down. I'm trying to avoid this guy at all costs. I step off the sidewalk onto the gutter so I can walk away from this guy. Then like those really those new headlights on like BMWs that are like blue that are so fucking bright you can't see. So like I'm like fuck am I going to get hit? So I step back up on the curb and I have I have no choice but to look up. And at that moment, I'm trying to avoid this guy. He, I'm like, he's probably sick. He's probably broke. Like, he's like, can't do anything for me. At that moment, I look up. He has no teeth in his mouth. And he's just like, hey, have a good night. And I, I couldn't do anything but smile. Mm-hmm. And I walked away. And after I was like, dude, I'm such a fucking dick. After I walked away, <laughs> I was smiling. And so I took that energy home to my girlfriend, to the next person I saw, like, that makes an actual difference, mm-hmm. you know. And recently, I was a, I was detained by protesting the Keystone XL oil pipeline in Washington D.C. The Secret Service took sixty-four of us, didn't read us our rights, took us for three days. We never saw a judge, never charged with anything, and so we had every right to be. We're in fucking jail in D.C. It's like a hundred degrees in yeah. October. We have every right to be 
pissed off. Instead, it was one of the best times of my life because people kept the vibe up and people were connected with one another. People were like sharing inspiring quotes and people were like talking about themselves and about life and opening up in a way that made it this transformational experience. Though we were in jail, though we were pissed, Mm -hmm. though this, that, this, that. It made it, it was one of like people say that must have sucked. Like actually it was one of the most transformational times of my entire life. So I think that like that is, you know, that's super important. And I think one thing that's interesting is that in a lot of what you say, you put the emphasis on action, on things you do to, uh, and that different from sort of the typical sort of new agey thing you hear more law of attraction or kind of thing where it's all more about thinking it, uh-huh. you're more about feeling it and doing it. Uh-huh. What's that Emerson just... quote? Who you are speaks so speak so loud I can't hear what you say. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I never heard that one. That's a great quote. Yeah, that's Emerson. Who you are speaks so loud I can't hear what you say. That's fucking beautiful. <laughs> I love that quote. Yeah. So where did they have you scooped up at? I mean, you, you weren't in Lorton or anything like that. Is it just like a, a holding pin? No, they the just st- took us to they took us to one of the DC jails and then they like they put us all in a wing. There were 64 of us. They put us all in a wing and then like after like nine hours, they come up, they're like, the jail's full, even though it's not. We need to take 15 of you. And they kept splitting us up. They drive us to a jail, put us in the back of the Secret Service paddy wagon. Then they, we'd get there at midnight. Then they say, jail's full. And then they take us somewhere else and they drove us all around town. And like, so in like, pe- they weren't giving us water. Six people were hospitalized. So like, it was bad conditions, but it was such an inspirational time of my life because I realized the importance of what it can do to be connected to the people around mm-hmm. you and like there you, you know um, community victor frankel he's the guy that wrote a man's search for meaning mm-hmm. um and he was for people who don't know he was put in the concentration camps and he said um that though he was faced with all of these things the one thing that they couldn't take away with him they couldn't force him to think anything they could lock him up they could do all these things but they couldn't take away his perception Mm -hmm. and the way that he viewed things and i think that like those are the immediate things that we can control and perhaps the only thing we actually can control because i mean everything else even your body may not work and there may be issues stuff that you cannot do physically but the thoughts you decide to have in your head that's about as intimate as it gets and is I'm sure that we can come up with some strange cosmic torture to rob you even of that, but that's complicated. <laughs> Usually, you do well. Uh, Victor Frankl would disagree. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, the dude goes through <laughs> well, he Auschwitz. Seen Clockwork Orange. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but the dude goes through Auschwitz and can pull it off. Yes, I would say hat off to him because yeah. obviously, you know, it's you're going through pretty much as bad of conditions as you can think of. So, no, I love that. And I love the fact that you don't shy away in a lot of your examples when you bring up a lot of kind of historical examples of people who uh, we recognize as amazing human beings today and you kind of show the process of their journey not being an easy journey, being a journey that regularly, almost unfailingly, you find uh, cases of people just having the doors slammed in their face over and over again. Not only like where it gets to the comical level of the Abraham Lincoln who like loses just every single election <laughs> he ever tries to yeah. for like forever until he wins the presidency pretty much. But you know, even at a more mellow level, the fact that no, it's not a smooth ride, it's not easy, it's not a, you do keep getting smacked down and then you oh success and then you get smacked down again. So it's not again this story that's a linear story where everything works out okay. And uh, 
I guess there are one point that you make about this is that kind of the what we see as heroes, we often perceive them as these otherworldly mythical figures who can do no wrong. But what that does then is remove uh, us from the picture. It's like then you just worship the hero who has these qualities that you could never possibly possess. And that's why I think I actually, oddly enough, sorry if I'm going on a weird train of thoughts, but I, that's part of why I like podcasting. Because one of the things about podcasting is that the very medium, the way we play with it, means being brutally honest with everything. There's no cosmetics, there's no hiding it, there's no making it prettier than it is. And I think it's almost a duty of anybody that, if you have one person who listens to you and look up to you, it's almost your duty to be real, to be not to bullshit people by just being rah-rah and making it sound easier than it is. Because then when that person is going to go through the same hard time you go through, but they hear you go, oh, dear, you know, pull yourself by your bootstrap kind of message, they'll feel like, fuck, I can't. So it must mean that you are great and I'm not, and I just don't have the skills you have. And so instead of showing all the failures, showing the moments of weakness, showing all the times when you know better and you fuck up anyway. And at the same time, if you only show that, then you're like, okay, well, you're a fuck up like me. So yeah, we're in the same boat, but there's no... And then you also show the time when things work, when you do make it happen, when you do push through and it works and all of that. That to me is inspiring because then that's somebody who's kind of struggling right alongside you and their successes inspire you, their failure make you feel like, okay, we're in the same boat here. And I think he's absolutely key. And, you know, too often we do the opposite thing of putting people on a pedestal and forgetting that they are dealing with the same shit that everyone else is dealing with. Mm -hmm. Nobody's, you know, flying through the air and everything is easy. That's not the way it is. And it's something that I think I appreciate overall about your work, the fact that you don't, both about the you know law of attraction kind of thing or about the way you present heroes you don't try to make it sound like this happy new age tale where if you only follow these seven steps then you'll never have a problem in life again and everything is gonna be work out i hate that shit it drives <laughs> me nuts it's like no it's not that damn easy you know it feels fake even though the message theoretically is empowering and there may be some good ideas there it doesn't feel real. It yeah. doesn't feel grounded enough. Yeah, and, no, that's uh, why I wrote that book. You know, the re I, you know, for for people that don't know, I just I I wrote that book is because I think most, especially young people, you know, are stuck. They want to do something big, but they want to be a musician, but they think like Jay Z, like it just happened to him, and that he didn't sell albums out of the trunk of his car, mm -hmm. or they didn't know that Bob Marley toured for three years and made no money. He made it big in Jamaica, and then he went in a in a fucking sedan through Europe in the middle of the winter, eating fast food in the snow, and it was such bad conditions. And it was a promo tour that Bunny Whaler and Peter Tosh, the two guys mm -hmm. from the Whaler, they quit because it was such bad conditions. And Bob kept going. Like we did, if Abraham Lincoln, he lost more elections than he won. He was in debt. His uh, his his um, mom had died. He lost like nine elections in a row. And I think if we write, like, that sucks. Dude, I know? know. I mean, it's like, what makes you get up to go for the, I think I'm going to try again. It's like, <laughs> he lost, like, everyone. He was a total failure, you know? And so, like, I think that uh, those things are really important. I think it, for everyone, but especially, 
young people because you're you know your mind's really fragile when you're young mm-hmm. and so if people knew that these people that were like oh this person oh that person well actually that person like they basically failed for 18 years in a row yeah. you know like if if we knew that like like Elvis Presley was told to go back and be a truck driver again by right. the biggest concert promoter in Nashville you know like if we knew those things, I think it'd create a lot of change. And I thought that that's, that's more, I think that's the most important thing to recognize. We're always going to have negative thoughts. You can't just like change your pattern to where Sorry. I'm only going to think thoughts that are going to be amazing. Therefore, everything will attract to me. Like if you recognize <laughs> yeah. that like everyone we like idolize is actually like Gandhi's wife died because Gandhi, Gandhi, uh, she got sick and, and they were, they had to go to a Western doctor and the doctor was like, she's okay. It's okay. We can treat her with antibiotics or else she's going to die. Gandhi's like, nope, she's not taking antibiotics. Uh, we, we, we don't subscribe to that. She dies a week later, a month later, Gandhi gets the same illness and he takes Western antibiotics and heals himself. You know, like we're all fucked up pretty much, you know, fucking Gandhi. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, this is across the board. Like we're all like. We're all like pretty, pretty, pretty out there, and I think if we knew these things, right. then we would see ourselves in the people. That's why story's so cool. That's why it survived through so many cultures, is because we see ourselves in the people in the story. But what's happened is our culture has morphed stories, so we no longer see ourselves in the story, mm-hmm. and that's how you create a culture of consumerism. I don't see myself in these people that are doing so great. So I need to buy this, 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 and this, and this, and that, and this, and that. And then I'll get there, maybe. And and so we've, we've taken ourselves out of the story. And so that's why I, I like to, to do that. And I think it's great. And I think it's what keeps it real, ultimately. And I mean, one thing that's good to remember, too, is that maybe you do the Abraham Lincoln path. You do keep failing and you get back up because you're tough and you keep doing it. And then you die. It, maybe, exactly, <laughs> right? Except that could happen, right? That happens to a lot of people. You're trying just as hard. You have just as much willpower. And, you know, it's like you get hit by the bus and it doesn't work. You don't get to be around the time when you win the presidency of the United States or whatever the fuck, right? So yeah. the part of it is not just a push, be tough, get back up every time, which, yes, that is what you need to do. But on top of it, it goes back to that ability of being happy right now, not when you'll achieve whatever the fuck that you want to achieve, but right in this moment, because there is no guarantee that if you try hard enough, it's going to work. Maybe you try, I mean, ultimately, the try hard enough is the prerequisite. If you don't do it, nothing is going to work. And what's the alternative? That you just uh, feel sorry for yourself. So, of course, you need to get back up every time you get knocked down. But that doesn't mean it's going to work out for uh, a la Bob Marley, a la Abraham Lincoln, a la... And even these guys, you know, Bob Marley, yeah, die of cancer in his 20s. Abraham Lincoln, oh, we won the Civil War. Great, got shot in the head <laughs> in the theater. You know, it's not like all of it is easy for these guys either in the end. But I think it's the combination of getting back up in the face of failure while at the same time cultivating happiness in the right now so that if it ends this second you're okay with it that's a rare that's a rare combination because we often focus on one or the other and uh, having both at the same time is the key that's the key to the game well, especially but, when usually any overnight success has 10 to 15 years of cooking behind yeah, it, yeah you know? of course and I think a lot of the young, the, the younger generation sort of 
has these expectations that things are just going to pop, you know, or or maybe the Matrix movies happen at the wrong time, they can just jack in. And, and sometimes I don't see that effort in the millennials, that they're just sort of waiting for the phone to ring, waiting for Jay-Z to come by and, you know, cut a record with them. <laughs> and instead of sitting around being miserable because it's not happening, to get out and actually get to doing something is going to make you a happier person. Right, and here, right here we have the example of the opposite right you go in and just uh, you know not exactly having uh, yeah i'm 20 year old and i want to write a book for penguin and be a motivational speaker and you're like yeah fuck you just show us you know come but, back when but he did there's the exactly right there. but i That's failed my ass and i write about the shit that i did like i failed my ass off no one would publish me every i had a publisher that i wanted to publish my book and I covered my wall in, in affirmations as an 18-year-old with the publisher. And I went to the founder. It said, I am published. We'll call him Dreamhouse. I am published by Dreamhouse. It took 200 pieces of paper. I stapled that shit all over my wall. Fucking put that shit in front of my toilet. So, like, when I even sat there, like, I'd, really, like, always be in my head. And I thought, like, if I think it enough, then it will happen. <laughs> and I went to the founder's house. I went home. I told all my friends, like, I'm published. Like, this is going to happen. Two weeks later, I get an email from the CEO. We're not going to publish your book. Right. I had to pull all those pieces of paper yeah. off my wall. That was the most and ridiculous. <laughs> and then, and so like I realized like the purpose of a goal like that Henry David Thoreau quote isn't what you get but who you become. Mm -hmm. And so I had to self-publish the book and become someone who learned how to do all these things and that's all ultimately what fulfilled me. I failed junior English class in high school, you know, like I, I I fucked up one of the one of the biggest PR opportunities I had with my first book because it was this really big blog and I was emailing with the founder and the the my publicist was setting this stuff up and I made this sick video that was in total alignment like really high quality paid money to get it produced and he said no but he took it from his other authors that were friends that had shittier videos so I called him out on it and I told him he played favorites and he was just basically like just shut the door like and it was like my publicist was like you are an idiot like you know just like burned a bridge <laughs> yeah right so like I, I think that like that's like it's something that you know when we're depressed if we if we fail enough in three years we'll be happy because then we'll be able to laugh at ourselves from all the things that if you have nothing to smile about you can just look back on all the times you were dumbass three years later and and if you don't have tv and you don't have you can't youtube joe rogan comedy <laughs> you can just look at all the stupid stuff you did absolutely no there's something there's something to be said about that and uh and i think in that sense is also redefining success you know because again success may or may not work out in the way you want to because again you can try as hard as you want and that's the prerequisite nothing is going to happen unless you do it but there's no guarantee that it's going to pan out the way you want is that it goes back to is that once they this company or that thing happens or they publish me or something is that when you can be happy it's like fuck that i mean yeah you're trying you want that but that ultimately if that's what you think of as success you're in the hands of how other people are going to respond to your stuff. Whereas if success is that in the process, you find ways to be happy in the middle of all the shit, of the stuff that's not working, of the, that's something that you actually have power on. And so it's, again, it goes back to the balance between kind of shooting for the stars of external achievement, but at the same time knowing that that's not really the success. 
the success is what you make happen in your day-to-day consciousness, in how you feel about yourself, if you're able to smile in the morning, how you treat other people. That's ultimately the success. The other one may work out that way because you put all the good energy, or maybe you won't because you just got shitty cards and bad luck or mm-hmm. something. You know, there's no way to know for sure. So, man, yeah, that's uh, quite a dance right there. <laughs> what, um, anything, um, where can people find you, your books, your Twitter, Facebook, the whole deal? Yeah, man, thanks for having me. It was fun. Well, uh, yeah, my name is Jake Ducey, D is in David, U-C-E-Y, and you can, the new book, The Purpose Principles, you can find in any stores. The End of the Wind, the book about dropping out and traveling is not in stores. And uh, you can get that them on Amazon, you know, Into the Wind, The Purpose Principles. Uh, Twitter is Jake Ducey Author and Instagram is Jake Ducey. And, you know, he, if you type my name in, you'll you find it. You got the name. <laughs> yeah. That's good. You didn't have to sort of misspell your own name because somebody else in Iowa is your name on yeah. Twitter or something. And... I had to put author at the end because some other Jake Ducey oh, gotcha. took it before me. He's that... a business HVAC man in Cincinnati, though. He'll yeah. take care of your career. He <laughs> and cooling needs. Damn. Bastard. <laughs> right. The, anything else you want to throw out there? No, man. I, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It was fun. And uh, thanks for everyone for listening. Very much our pleasure. Okay, good humans. You have plenty of homework to take care of. Lots of ideas, stuff that you can play with in your own life. Let's go do that. Well, the funky music means that's it for another fine episode. A great interview. What you know? I, what was I doing? Was his age? I know. He's a, he's a really cool guy. I think I was chasing girls. Well, I don't think that he's necessarily opposed to that idea, but no. Uh, but he's out here saving know. the world and getting everybody motivated. Multitasking. That's always a good thing. A uh, couple of things. So our T-shirts, the glorious Drunken Taoist line, from the logo to the Nietzsche shirts, Dionysian parades, all of those. Uh, check them out order there are a few people that I regularly reply to saying what size and I never hear back so that complicates things a little bit so check your email look into spam or something let me know what's up uh, but yeah our t-shirts if you want them that was lecture series as usual uh, lots of you guys have been giving me awesome feedback thank you so much I'm glad you dig it so if you want to hear there's like seven hours plus of material divided into 16 different lectures all about Taoism. If you want to check that out, there's a link in the episode notes. And if you want to take a picture of yourself in your awesome new t-shirts, please send them our way. Absolutely. I've seen some great ones. Uh, I've seen some really glorious ones. I got, um, of course, there are discount codes on all of our products the, from the sponsors, from everything. You know, there's Onnit, that's Usara, Sure Design. There are discount codes in the episode notes that so you can get a discount when you order to us. Uh, similarly through our affiliates Korokau Chocolate and Audible uh, whether you're in the mm, where you're in the market for audiobooks or for cool healthy chocolate again check out the episode notes for to order through us and get discounts other than that what else do we need to say the oh fine folks at Kiva.org continuing to you know when you think about what what a very narrow portion of you like 1% of you have done is amazing you know we're well over 
into $26,000 of donations to help other people out. And we don't get any of this. This is totally donations yep. that you make. We're just keeping track of what our team has put together. And it is really appreciated. And, you know, those donations are going to come back around and send them back out again, folks. There's nothing better than, you know, helping somebody put their life into a little bit better order. And uh, it doesn't cost you hardly anything. And those that they instead decide that it costs them something, those who donate directly to the Drunken Taoists, those sweet folks, yeah. let's go fuck up their names. Excellent plan. Let the pottering begin. Here we go with Michael Capace, Keith Hunt, John Hatfield, Desmond Colton, Chris Talent, Travis, Travis, Travis Rader, Doug Jones, Chris Treshbal, John Atterbury, Alexander Kuzner, Jonathan Waterloo, and, Dav- and David Peterson. Thank you guys so, so very much. What a tiny, tiny little list with a lot of repeat offenders on there. Yeah, there are some people who are, uh, who are regulars, obviously, and uh, who took up the challenge of helping out. And again, you know, those of you guys, uh, you don't have to do it every month. You don't have to do it in massive amounts, but having a few more people wouldn't hurt us at all. And um, so, yeah, it would be great if you can send us some. That would be sweet. Uh, if you can't again reviews uh, telling other people using the amazon link all of that stuff all helps but of course direct donations are always sweet so thank you to the people who did that that was very very sweet and thank you to daisy house for letting us use the music other than that i would say you guys have an awesome day i hope your summer is going well and uh, we shall update the next one here's some of that music right now And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. In questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, eh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great, it's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and. Uh, uh, your accent, it just. Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me you about. Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was tombstone. Yeah, that one, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just as I was saying, you know, Tomstone. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work.